Hi, I'm Chinny. And I'm Astrid, and welcome to It's a Continent, the podcast that widens access to African history. We're also the co-authors of a book by the same name. You can find out more information about us on itsacontinent.com. We're here to challenge the common misconception that Africa is a country by appreciating the identity of each nation. Through each episode, we'll be exploring key historical moments which have shaped the continent. Hello, welcome back to episode three. Oh, wow, you remembered? Yeah, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. I didn't. I was there like... <laughs> okay, I thought you were just saying that in a shady way. No, no, no. no. Shady. Oh, of course not. Of course, course not. Of course I remembered. It feels like we haven't done this in so long, but that's just because we've had a bit of a switch up in terms of how we record. So yes. it's it's thrown me off. It feels like I haven't been behind a microphone in so long. So I'm like... You know, you listened to our past selves two weeks ago. So, you know, yes. that was lovely. We're still, we're still here. We're still here. Mm-hmm. But this one's a newbie. So yes. it's a new one. It's a new one. Um, But yeah, how are things? How are you doing? You know, just summer and capitalism. <laughs> 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 the usual yeah we have been we have been struggling with that <laughs> over the last couple of weeks guys yeah the they but got us working summer. out here yeah. yeah at least that's summer <laughs> that being said i'm like i am wearing a cardigan ah well <laughs> but i always feel the cold anyway so um it's fine it is what it is um but yeah we are back yeah. and with a topic Yes, yeah. and actually the African Pride actually links to the topic for once. Well, not for once, but like, yeah, it's just a great that was never, no, It was never a great no, that's never, That was never a written agreement that it there had to man. No, no, it was not, it was not a re- written agreement. It was not in the contract. No. But um, this week's African Pride goes to Yvette Ya Conde Tete, a woman who swam down Ghana's Volta River to show the true cost of cheap clothes. And hold that thought because we will be exploring this topic today. Yvette swam nearly every day for a month, reaching a total of 450 kilometres, and that's 280 miles. Every 20 minutes, she stopped for water and dry bananas and a pack of Percy pigs at the end. So, I love Percy. Look at MS. Oh making their, my God, making up. <laughs> Let me not blame colonisation. <laughs> oh, love it. And this was all part of an exploration of the Volta River, which gives life to millions of people in Ghana and West Africa. A 36-foot aluminium solar-panelled catamaran built in Tema, Ghana, has also been behind this groundbreaking research across the Accra coast. So this research has led to understanding about the impact of textile and microfibre pollution in our waterways, and to draw attention to the huge volumes of second-hand clothing entering Ghana. It's no secret that textile pollution has reached alarming levels and this work further builds the case to stop waste colonialism and to empower people in Accra to deal with clothing waste before it spreads throughout water systems. The resulting work is building a heat map across Ghana to show areas of high and low pollution. And it's also worth uh, pointing out that it's not just Accra that should be sort of held responsible for this. Um, Europe and other parts of the world dumping rubbish here is, is not okay. Water samples at nearly 100 kilometres east of the main dump site in Accra is showing significantly higher numbers of synthetic microfibers than anticipated. So it all makes for a very compelling case. Yeah, and she literally swam every day for a month. Yeah, I mean, I do me, I do love a bit of swimming, as you know, mm-hmm. you know, just because I like to close my rings. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, on on her fitness. I was like, what rings are you closing? Yes. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. You know. If you're part of the Apple ecosystem, you know. Okay, yes. closing the ring. I, since I've gotten the watch, I'm not gonna lie. I am obsessed with like closing the ring. Like, I've got to move. I've got to stand up. I don't think uh, yeah. I do not stand up twelve times. I need to reduce that. I'll probably stand up at some point during the recording, <laughs> just to close the ring. <laughs> But no, that it is an incredible feat, um, 280 miles. Um, yeah, especially also from a black woman, just because they have the whole stereotype about black people not swimming. Mm-hmm. So it's really good to see her like countering multiple stereotypes at the same time. Yeah, no, this is great. And just to kind of bring to light the issues as well, which I know we're going to be discussing in today's episode when it comes to fast fashion. So when you think of fast fashion, what comes to mind? Maybe brands that dominate the online space like Boohoo and PLT, or perhaps high street stores like H&M and Zara. It's well known that these shops, most of us have probably been to, especially in the UK, have made clothing more accessible, but have also fed the Western world's addiction to shopping. With all things capitalist-based, someone is bearing the brunt of this system. We may turn our attention to those who work in poor factory conditions, which is true. Another key party within the fast fashion industry paying the price of this overconsumption also includes the African continent. In today's episode, we'll spotlight Ghana, but be aware that this practice also takes place in other areas within the global south. Around 15 million clothing items flood Accra each week, mostly from Europe, North America and Australia. Some of these items reach Cote d'Ivoire, Nigeria and Burkina Faso, Uh, But where do all these items actually end up? One of the main places that they arrive is Kantamanto Market in Accra, Ghana. How did we get here? During the explosion of fast fashion in the late 20th century, however, this has meant that clothing quality has reduced, meaning that the clothes last for a shorter amount of time and people tend to discard the clothes to buy another item rather than retain and repair. You could also link this back to colonialism as a change in mindset led Ghanaians to adopt Western clothing, increasing demand. Once deemed as unwanted, these clothes are given away as donations or waste. Cheaply manufactured clothes sometimes fail quality control and are donated to African countries instead of making the sales rack. However, the fact remains that whilst these exports used to benefit market traders, the continued acceleration of fast fashion has meant that whilst the volume of clothing sent is up, the quality has dropped. In an interview with Forbes Africa, Michael Afori, managing director of A to Z Shippers, said, Things have changed quite a bit from where we started this about 20 years ago. Items were of quality. Today, we have so many fast fashion brands, the market is flooded and affecting the quality of stuff we need. The source for these items can be high street charity shops and private operators of charity shop bins. If spoiled items are sent to either of these places, it's very likely it will end up in places like Ghana. When we say spoiled, it's items that won't be able to be sold due to the poor quality or damage to the product. Yeah, just to clarify that. But I think it is so true though, because even when you go to like the high street, one week there's like all these looks and then it gets like switched, thinking of like Primark, but like, you know, it gets switched. There's completely do styles, everything hanging on, like the clothes rails are completely different. And you're sort of thinking like- Where's it all gone? Where's that all gone? Like you definitely did not sell all of that. Like nobody is buying clothes at that. Mm -hmm. 
Right. So I'm out here, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I've literally gone to the same, you know, the repair person so many times. <laughs> and I'm like, is it even worth is it? it? These worth clothes it? are just such cool, poor quality, especially nowadays, I feel. No, no, that is true. But I guess it's part of then encouraging you to, to, go, back. to go back as well. Yeah, because not everybody will think, because it's only recently I started thinking, actually, let me just try and go to someone because i know i can't sew a button as well <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm exactly the same because if i'm like oh there's maybe i can't get this out of like a washing machine and i've tried like yeah. can someone else fix it because i still like the item but i don't know how to fix yeah exactly me with sewing needle thread trying to put that through mm, no 40 percent of clothing received from the western world arriving in ghana is unacceptable for use and ends up as waste 40 percent 40 percent that's actually that's weird. actually staggering like, staggering 40 yeah. percent yeah you think like can we not just do a process where you just check whether it's spoiled up before you sent it off and then be like well that's someone else's problem so yeah well that's free. literally the, the crux of the, of yeah, the issue true 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 <laughs> Ten thousand articles of secondhand clothing are sent every five minutes by the uk and are dumped in accra according to the observatory of economic complexity the top exporters of used clothing in 2020 were the US, China, the UK, Germany and South Korea. Ghana is the top importer of such goods with Pakistan and Nigeria not far behind. Some view this as synonymous with dumping and argue that it continues a colonialist relationship where the Western world exports unwanted clothing to the landfills in African countries. According to statistics published by the UN Environment Programme and the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, the fashion industry is the second most polluting industry after oil. Just stop oil, just stop clothes. I'm here for it. <laughs> Why just, do people get scared start, whenever you say just no, stop no, oil? But you, it's you not the fear out of just stop oil. It's the fact that I know you're, you're just starting this, so, in, this, in, this, in this room where we're recording. You've just started just stop clothes. Yeah. Look, I'm sure there's a movement somewhere, mm. but I'm, I'm here for <laughs> In the words of Samuel Oteng, a designer and community engagement manager with the Orr Foundation, Cantamanto makes visible the problem that exists in Europe. And I think because it gets sent and it's sort of like, oh, this is your problem now, we don't see it as a problem because I exactly. doubt many people are kind of going into stores and then thinking like where is this going you're kind of going in i'm not i'm not saying i don't do this because i also do that but you also kind of think like i need this item and this top or shorts or whatever to go with this outfit or because i need i'm missing it you don't then think what am i going to do i don't know after the event (laughs) after the event or just even like Three five, five years, years time. Years. These clothes don't even. Do you know last they don't even. They don't even last time. Like, <laughs> I'll be back here in two weeks time. Yeah, yeah. Gee, like there's no. I guess it's you're not being you're not consciously consciously doing it sort no. of thing. It's just like it's become a habit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We don't consider the whole end to end, which also is like. <laughs> God. I mean, if we considered the end to end, absolutely, gee, we'd be there. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm like, God, I'd what else? Be the ground, to be honest. Yeah, would never own anything, but it's it's finding that balance, isn't there? Yeah. There's a yeah, there's definitely a piece of accountability as well there. So, how does the process work? Every Thursday morning before sunrise, container trucks from the port in Tema travel across Accra to Cantamanto Market, with 15 million garments arriving each week. Buyers sleep in the streets overnight to catch the first bales as they arrive. 
as they want to be there to collect clothing of high quality, which is getting harder. Remember the 40%? Um, Some of those bales go onwards to Nigeria and Togo. Within Cantamanto Market, there are up to 5,000 retailers who resell these clothing. There's such high competition and some entrepreneurs can be lucky enough to get high-end pieces with minor defects. The importers spend hundreds of dollars equivalent on containers without knowing which clothes will arrive or what the quality will be. They will literally fight for the best clothes with friends becoming rivals. Simply put, if they aren't able to source the best clothes, they are unable to make money. The clothes are called Obroni Wawu, dead white man's clothes. It's kind of an interesting metaphor, guys. <laughs> like, literally, just like these unwanted clothes that have just been um, cast onto the country. And the thing is, to an extent, there is use of it. I think the problem is that there's now worse quality. So mm. once when, you know, people donated fewer clothes, but better quality. Yeah, and that's yeah. like needle in a haystack situation. Now, yeah, you, like yeah. TK Maxx. <laughs> oh, Listen. love that store, but sh- no TK Maxx website. Good TK Maxx store. Mm, I can't, can't deal with that. I cannot put myself <laughs> through that. I cannot. I only pop there for a candle. Yeah, like, mm. yeah. So to an extent, it does sustain the livelihood of some people, but yeah, it's it's becoming worse for them. Mm. The next step is for the Kaiyi to carry the clothes through the market. Kayayi means she who carries the load and is the name given to female porters. Young women, and in some cases girls, transport more than 50 kilo bales on their heads as the narrow alleys of Cantamanto make it impossible for carts to pass through. Mm. These young black women basically still bearing the brunt. The work is incredibly dangerous and it's for very little reward. They earn around uh, 10 cities, which is about 73 uh, US cents a trip. But this isn't enough to cover their living expenses. The Orr Foundation carried out x-ray assessments on the women, finding that the spinal columns of 16-year-olds presented like that of a 50-year-old. Shocking. Irreversible damage to Kaiyi's backs mean that bone grinds on bone. Painkiller is the only relief available. There have also been stories of a woman having her legs crushed and it's not uncommon for them to fall over. Uh, and on some occasions, babies are carried around at the same time, making the work even more precarious. The effect of these imports on the Ghanaian clothing industry is significant, with a shift from traditional custom-made clothing by a tailor to westernised mass production. There's now more demand for imported clothing than locally produced items. Consumers may generally prefer this as the clothes are ready to wear and are cheaper than the custom-made process. Yet clothing multinationals from wealthier countries have taken advantage of cheaper labour in lower-income countries to produce clothes on a mass scale and send them to the West. Then, after the item has been worn a few times, these countries send this as waste to lower-income countries as cheap clothing. Not only do multinational clothing corporations maintain control over production, they also have a role to play in the product's circulation and disposal. It's actually quite interesting because we don't really think we... It, our attention is always drawn to the production and the poor working conditions. And of course, we're not taking anything away from that at all. It's mm. just interesting because I've never not really looked at the, the disposal part of the process. Yeah, which is true because actually their responsibility isn't just in the creation. is she make it... How do you... Yeah... 
mm-hmm. how do you dispose of it in a way that is environmentally conscious yeah the issue also remains by the perception of donating clothes here in the west how many of us have seen a clothing bin on the street and donated items or even given items to charity shops people think they're doing good by donating their clothes but in fact it has a hand in harming ghana's local economy this is because local manufacturers can't compete with the cheap clothing from the west But at the same time, the clothing quality renders many of the imports useless. The clothes then end up in landfill, causing further environmental harm. Around 34 million people live in Ghana, and yet 30 million garments arrive every two weeks. Every two weeks? Who is this for? Like, it's not even the people of Ghana. Like, if all of the clothes were even of good quality and they could be sold, who is even buying this? Every two weeks. Nobody needs. There's way too much going on. There's here. way too much. It's just not. This is thing like this isn't a sustainable model. Like we have to, yeah, fix it somehow. Not we. Obviously, yeah, I mean, it's not my. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. <laughs> I was, I was like, like, oh, it's not no, me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is. It's, it's not us. Like this is a yeah. general we. In an interview with Australian Press, a Kras waste manager stated, "We have become the dumping ground for textile waste that is produced in Europe, from the Americas and elsewhere." There's also an increased fire risk as if the textiles aren't sufficiently compacted, they end up trapping methane. Bear in mind that synthetic waste can take centuries to decompose, meaning that the rubbish is likely to remain in the city for generations. The waste is so pronounced that cattle can often be found grazing on a summit made from clothing waste. It's though... I know it's That's really sad, actually. Yeah. Um, Just cow grazing on a piece of a top from H&M. Right. It's thought that around 60% of landfill in Accra is unwanted clothing. The effects of the textile dumping are also seen within population health. During Ghana's rainy seasons, storms give way to flooding, leading to the increased presence of mosquitoes and disease. Another added complication is the presence of textile waste on the beach. In the Badi beach, Accra, the waste even disrupts local fishing, with heaps of clothing caught within the nets. These clothing tentacles can trap fish, choking aquatic wildlife. It's just another example of how... It's literally everywhere. It's everywhere. And it just shows how the African continent just continually disproportionately suffers from the effects of Western polluters, essentially. You know, Mm. there's always that slightly racist uh, rhetoric where they say, oh, there's so much population, there's too much population growth in Africa, and, you know, that sort of thing. But actually, these... What people are going through because of the actions of, of overconsumption is quite shocking. Um, and we also see that through, um, you know, weather patterns and you know, disruptive weather and storms, all as a result of climate change, essentially. Mm-hmm. So what can be done to fix this? Not going to actually fix it in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Yeah. Gosh, sometimes it feels like you're like, right, now let's try this, let's try that. It may not be as simple as calling a blanket ban on the import of old clothes from the West. This is because a significant population still relies on the import of such goods to survive. Yet at the same time, because the quality of the goods have fallen, the waste is exacerbating the environmental crisis, whilst also harming local fishing and textile industries. It may be appropriate to cap the import of damaged second-hand clothing to reduce the impact of waste from worthless and damaged clothing. At the same time, Western consumers buy 60% more clothes than previously. So 
there's all sorts of points in which the pathway can be kind of amended. It's not really quite like the analogy of, you know, when you drink through a paper straw and you think that it's going to help, but then, mm. like, there's lots of private jets going around. Um, mm. we can actually, but I've done my bit. I've, yeah. done, <laughs> I've put my wet paper straw Honestly, into the recycling when bin, I, which would not be recycled. Which would not be, because actually, when you think about it, because when they were bringing that idea out of, like, okay, plastic straw's not, and then you're thinking, actually, this is a small pot, but this is so small. It's so much bigger. So there is just way bigger things which would probably have a way bigger impact than me drinking through a plastic straw. Yes, I also care about yeah. the aquatic life. There is literally but like policy changes that need to be implemented. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, Even like water companies around here, like just yeah. throwing sewage out in like, yeah. do you know what I mean? There yeah. are other bigger things. Lawmakers. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? Let's focus on the straws. <laughs> the straws is where it's at. That is where we can make a real big difference. Honestly. Yeah. Although I have gotten into like the metal, I do. Have I the, do like the metal um, straws. The metal straws. Actually, yeah, you know, not, we're not against. We're not against reusing. But well, you can't reuse them. You can't. Yeah. Re- <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Another way, though, is actually selling costs off directly to people. So whilst avoiding the you know, depop drama, um, I found that like not selling for profit on even on sites like eBay and Depop actually is quite an easy way to get rid of unwanted clothes because at least hopefully. It is going to a human. I think it's making sure that it's going to a person. Not that, I think, the point you made around charity shops, that is still, you know... That's still valid. It's still valid, but I guess it's also knowing that, by also doing that, it has the potential of... They're not going to sell absolutely every they're item They're not going to well. sell clothing that shouldn't really be sold. If you wouldn't sell it on eBay or something, don't give it to the charity shop, Don't give shop, it to right? the charity <laughs> shop, yeah. But there was, like, I told you about that charity that I found um, oh, yes. near me, whereby... And it's worth doing and just doing your research when you are looking at, like where to give kind of your don't what to do with kind of clothes that no longer fit or you no longer want to wear or whatever and basically what they do is like if someone is in need so they've like lost their job or they're having certain challenges and they can't afford like I don't know shoes of a certain size they then get sent to this um charity who will kind of take the gp or whatever will send in your sizes they will then say these are the clothes that we have in that size and you can come in and choose so you know as you said similar to ebay you know it's directly going to a person and stuff is really um yeah is key no definitely definitely in a survey conducted six years ago one in three women considered garments old if worn just twice i'm sorry but where do they get these people (laughs) twice if no one sees me in an outfit it doesn't count anyway i still have the first hoodie i bought for my first paycheck i still wear it to this day because it is a banging hoodie well i don't think anybody else fix that but i don't care but the sentimental i think i get too sentimental with clothes so i keep a lot of them but i still have my first hoodie that was like 16 i was 16 17 over 10 years ago yeah i mean like twice is a little bit twice (laughs) well you know the whole rise of the sort of instagram you don't want to, people feel uncomfortable about being seen in the same mm. outfit twice. But also, who are Which you? Which is, yeah, who, exactly. If, if you, you are just listening to this, right. who are you? But there is that, you know, the Outfit rise of, repeating. Yeah, or, the rise of that it puts pressure on people, rightly or wrongly. Uh, well, wrongly. Let actually. me get my £80 worth and see, you see this in every single picture. I'm getting my money's worth out yeah, of this look. look. When giving away clothing, think around where the final destination of the item is that you're about to discard. Ultimately, the West needs to take better care of these things within their countries and not ship the problem to other people. As recently as May this year, traders from Cantamanto and Accra met Alice Barkunke, 
an MEP with Sweden's Green Party, as well as environmental organisations and representatives from the European Commission and the European Environment Bureau, to argue that proposed extended producer responsibility, EPR regulation, should ensure that Ghana receives funds towards managing the hundreds of tons of clothing discarded at the market every day. Essentially, EPR policy means producers of hard-to-dispose waste are obligated to contribute to the disposal of waste generated by their products. As it stands, France is the only country in Europe that has an EPR which covers the textile industry. The rest of them are just like... And they're like, eh, no, no, sorry, too much money to be made. There are straws to focus on. <laughs> the fee paid by clothing producers is low at just six European cents, five pence for each item, and the funds raised don't follow exports to countries like Ghana, who suffer the consequences of overproduction and overconsumption in wealthy countries. The Cantamanto traders want this draft policy to increase the fee to a minimum of 50 European cents for each item and also ensure that a decent amount of the money goes to help countries who have to deal with the damage and also include an additional 10% towards an environmental fund to clean up previous damage. The Ore Foundation is also calling on clothing companies to disclose the volume of garments produced each year and commit to reducing that by 40%. I think that's probably. I think big, that would the be biggest the biggest kicker. Yeah, because if we think about how show us your receipt, show us how much you're. They'll be embarrassed. Having. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's true because then I think that would help people to kind of be like, if they had to put a report together every year, it'd be like, this is how many clothes we actually created this year. Different looks, different. And when you think about it, you're like, I think it will be crazy. Yeah, yeah. Because you're not selling all of that. There's no way. Like, yeah. Overproduction for who? Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just a bit lost here. (laughs) Yeah, that was an interesting... Yeah. Definitely very insightful. um, And yeah, learned so much just researching this topic. And there's just a lot of questions that (laughs) that the fashion industry needs to answer, to Mm. be honest. But I feel like it's going to be one of those things where it doesn't get answered or like things don't start getting resolved. It's it's like at a crisis point and they were like, oh yeah, we probably should have. Do you know what I mean? Because it's, it's given just stop oil. So like, <laughs> just stop <laughs> like clothes. Again, yeah. Watch, watch this space with chili. To start it, you you've got someone. Yeah, ideas, ideas rolling. So yeah, just conscious shopping. Indeed. Conscious shopping. Indeed. What to do? Well, thanks for listening. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. It's a continent on Instagram at it's a continent pod, um, and also on our website it's a continent Perfect. See you in two weeks' time. See you then. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.